Welcome to Two for None. My name is Patrick Cullen and I'm here, of course, with my co-host, gentleman of man, Christopher T. Barty. Barty, how are you, sir? How are you feeling after the possibly the biggest week of cricket news in the history of cricket? Well, yeah, pretty, I think we're all pretty uh, exhausted, aren't we? I mean, people hear it in my voice, Pat. Um, <laughs> there's, you know... Yeah, Torn apart, not, CTB. Barely yeah, holding it together. I mean, I'm not meaning to be disrespectful or sacrilegious or anything, but there there's not a lot of good this Friday. There's not a lot of good this Friday. We are recording on Good Friday. We generally record this podcast late at night, Chris and I both being night owls. But today, for something new, different and exciting, we are recording in the morning. So hopefully we can pull it together and um, and be some, some happening dudes. Um, Bardo... So much mm. has happened since the last mm-hmm. time we spoke on, on Sunday. Um, since we spoke on Sunday, the, the true nature of the ball tampering has been exposed. The players have been handed massive sanctions. Um, Darren Lehman has stepped down and Renshaw and Joe Burns and Glenn Maxwell have all been flown out from Australia to act as cover for the three suspended mm. players. Um, the entire of... The Australian men's team has been thrown around. And, and on top of that, you know, it's been an absolute media storm. Um, the footage of Stephen Smith coming out of the airport in South Africa was just insane. I mean, that was the sort of media scrum reserved for serial killers and or pedophiles, um, not, mm. you know, cricket captains. It was buck wild. Um, so, yeah, mate. I mean, how, how, what have you made of it all as a sort of an overview, CTB, before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of the whole situation? Um, how have you felt about the players and how they've reacted and, and the whole thing? Well, it's shebang? funny, mate. You know, as we obviously recorded the emergency pod, uh, almost straight after the incident. Um, and, uh, as, as disappointed as I felt at the time of the, about the actions of the players is, probably as concerned as I feel um, for their welfare now that all the facts have come out. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone that could have watched the Lehman, the two Lehman press conferences, the Smith press conference and the Bancroft press conference and not feel some sort of sympathy or empathy um, or desire to help these guys get back on their feet. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, Smith's one was just freaking heartbreaking, mm. to be honest. I mean, this old man standing behind him and, and the, like, you know, just the, the uncontrolled, you know, sobbing. He was just such a mess, poor Steve. I, I felt really sorry for him in that. And, the you know, the reporter who asked him the question about, you know, her kids and how much they look up to him and, oh. and what he should say to them. And he just, that absolutely tore him that question. Um, I, understand, I understand the line of questioning, but I thought that was a bit, I didn't like the question itself. And the reason being, Steve Smith knows he's a role model to children and, and you know, the, the kids play cricket and look up to him and all that kind of thing. He's not, he's not, you know, he's made a dumb mistake, but he's not dumb. Um, it, but it's also not his job 
to raise your kids. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I just- Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And also, like, you know, if Kanye West went and did something ridiculous, you, you wouldn't go and go, hey, Kanye, <laughs> you know, like, my son looks up to you. What do you say to him now? I mean, uh, yeah, it felt like it was really pushing the envelope. It felt like it was it was slathering yeah. it on CTB in, in you know, some pretty I, heavy butter. And I was like- The other one- that, I really the, felt the Steve one, in that moment. Not the, the, there, weren't, there definitely weren't any funny moments in the press conference. Uh, no, it wasn't a lighthearted time. One question from a bloke who was like, uh, "Hey Steve, uh, I work for I didn't I didn't catch all of it. I actually need to go back and watch it." But he's like, "Hey Steve, I don't work for a sporting sporting media company. We work for, I work for some random radio station, and we polled our listeners, and he, he just he gave like a two minute uh, blurb about his radio station." Before the media officer told him to quick shut pitch. up. <laughs> just doing a quick pitch, you know, just trying to get a few more listeners in the middle of Steve Smith's, like, emotional, heartfelt yeah. outpouring. Uh, oh, that was, gosh, that what was they become? But um, <laughs> outside, outside of that, it was a pretty- 99.99% absolutely ter- t- terrible, heartbreaking, horrendous to watch. Mate, I thought we, we might run back the clock a little bit because I've had a couple of people that aren't super cricket aficionados try and work out why this was such mm. a big deal. And because um, I'm now a media luminary, um, like your hands himself, uh, the people, they flocked to me, Chris. They flocked to me with their questions and I, I try and dispense some, you know, banter-filled knowledge at, at all ports. So, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run through this a little bit, um, as to, as to why they, they went and grabbed some sandpaper. Um, and, and, you know, back in the nineties, Athers, Michael Atherton did a similar thing, um, where he had a pocket full of sand, was applying sand to the side of the ball. And if you're not a crickety person, um, well, one, what are you doing listening to this podcast? It's very generous of you to do that. But two, um, you know, you'd look at that as an outsider and think that's a bloody bizarre thing to do. So here's how it works, right? Cricket ball, um, stitches down the middle. And, and you can see the cricket players during the game shining the ball on, on their crotches predominantly um, while, while making jokes about tasty, tasty pies at the batsman. Now, uh, while they're doing that, what they're trying to do is get one side to be super polished and the other side to be rough. And, and when it gets to a certain stage of those two sides being at different polarities of roughness and shininess, the ball will move through the air. It'll swing. And that's conventional swing. It'll, the air will pull on the rough side of the ball and the shiny side will move through it quicker and it will move left to right. And, and generally speaking, it will move a Away from the right-handed batsman. It's called an outswinger for those of us in the game, and, and it's a pretty standard piece of kit. But in rare circumstances, when, when the conditions are really, really right, the ball has to be old, it has to be super shiny on one side, ridiculously roughed up on the other. The conditions need to be hot or overcast. It needs to be, you know, in really good conditions. And, and secondly, that the bowler bowling it needs to be at considerable velocity, the ball will start to reverse swing. And it doesn't swing out of the bat- the bowler's hand. It, it may swing late, like a meter or two meters in front of the batsman and suddenly come in towards the stumps and, and cause all sorts of trouble. It's unpredictable. It's difficult to play. And, and it's even harder to bowl with that and bowl and bowl well. So that's what why Banners was grabbing that 
the the piece of of sandpaper and attempting to get the the rough side of the ball to be super rough in an effort to get that going. It was an attempt to to try and get them an edge where there was nothing going on for the bowlers and AB de Villiers was starting to look a bit uh, dominating in his in his classical fashion. But all of that being the case, CTB, more information has come to light. And the information that's come to light is us. We're getting this as a second-hand piece of information. So this is coming from Jim Maxwell. Um, Maxwell talked to the ABC, and I'm just going to read his account of of what happened in the changing rooms and what everyone's mm-hmm. role was in this thing. Because when we did the pod on Sunday, the way that it came out was that, or the way we were feeling about it after their initial press conference, was that this was some grand conspiracy, that the three of them sat down at lunchtime and worked out how they could get an advantage, potentially in some kind of deep, dark, underground cavern uh, at the cricket ground. Um, I'm thinking with organ music and, you know, the Illuminati. Um and the picture that Maxwell paints, um, Jim Maxwell paints, is, is somewhat different. So I'm just going to read this uh, quote for quote. Uh, quote, he, Warner, was the instigator, Maxwell told ABC Radio. He was sitting in the dressing room with Bancroft and they came up with this ruse. As I understand it, Steve looked over to them and said, what are you blokes up to? Oh, I don't want to know. I do not want to know. He went out onto the field and he probably should have been more vigilant, as I said. Maxwell claimed the entire situation was a consequence of the 28-year-old skipper's failure to control his 31-year-old deputy. The pair's relationship developed a dangerous stalemate when the so-called attack dog of Aussie cricket, Warner, considered himself exempt from Smith's supervision as the more senior member of the two. There's been a bit of history here with Warner and Smith, with Warner coveting the captaincy and getting some Boy Scout honours recently in the 2020 series against New Zealand. It's sort of blown up over a period and some incidents here because of Warner, as far as I can see, well, he's lost the plot and that's why we got what we got. So an interesting take there, Chris, mm. that, that really changes the optics of how this whole thing went down. And especially when you consider how Steve Smith was treated by the media, you gotta you gotta really feel sorry for that bloke if what Jim Maxwell says is true. Yeah. I think the the key thing there is, um, and and the key key mistake that Smith made was um, not inquiring further um, into uh, the conversation between um, Bancroft and Warner, and and. You know, by not inquiring further, he didn't give himself an opportunity to to put a stop to it. Um, that was the failure of leadership that he spoke about in the press conference. And that look, that's a really difficult thing. Um, you know, I think um, you we spoke off air uh, before the before the episode um, that it happens uh, quite a lot in workplaces around Australia where. You know, sort of around the your late twenties, um, early thirties, um, that's when you might start to be promoted to a, um, a a leadership role or a management role or a senior role or that kind of thing. Um, and there are occasions where you may have to manage someone who is older or who has more experience than you, um, or you know, you might be familiar yourself, Pat, with the term managing up where you might have to, you know, you might have a, have an employer who's a brilliant at what they do um, or, you know, and a really, really good thinker, um, but their organisational skills aren't very good and you have to tell them where to be and what to do and, you know, <laughs> which shoe goes on which foot. Um, Absolutely. And that can be a really difficult and scary thing um, to do. 
Um, and it's not easy. And just because you're the captain of the Australian cricket team, um, it, it becomes a necessary uh, thing to do, um, but it is no less difficult. And so that's probably where, you know, that, that Steve Smith has um, erred. Um, and I think that will be the lesson for the next captain of the Australian cricket team. And, mate, look, really difficult to do. By, by all accounts, you know, Davey Warner's been really fired up. Ever since DeCock made some comments about him in, um, in, in the first test, and then he got abused by some patrons. He got a, There was those blokes from, who were from Cricket South Africa wearing Sonny Bill Williams masks just to get <laughs> his goat. And then, you know, getting poked at and prodded by these, these younger, these other random folks in, in South Africa really got to him. And look, that's hypocritical in itself because I think we're all pretty aware that Davey Warner shells it out on the field. Like he is not a bloke who's afraid of a chirp, um, but for for reasons that that are, must be close to him, he's been really angry, even for Davey, about this whole situation um, by all mm. accounts. And, and you know, when he got to this point and they're in this test match and he really just wanted to win. Um, he was prepared to put Bancroft in a dangerous position uh, in order to get an advantage. And, and I guess that well, no more once Warner fronts mm. the media. And, and this is something too, which has been, I've been, has been irking me, CTB, um, is that Smith and Bancroft have been in front of the cameras this whole time. We've heard a lot from those guys. They actually misled us. Some would say lied in their first press conference by saying that there was sticky tape that they were using to pick up grit mm. from the turf and apply that to the ball. Um, and, and Bancroft just said about that that he panicked, you know, that he panicked and he lied and he was sorry. And, and I, I really couldn't understand where it, was, where it was coming from there. But I'm really interested to hear from Warner um, and to hear his side of this whole event. And, and, I, and I think we're never really going to find out exactly what happened, what was said, who wanted each other to do what, and people's actual levels of involvement. Um, I I tell you what did give us a key indicator was the way that the players reacted. And they didn't ostracize Smith. They didn't ostracize Banners, but they did ostracize Warner. Um, Yeah, well, that's that's it. And bizarrely, Davey was in the hotel lobby the next day after all this blew up drinking champagne by himself yeah which is just a strange thing to do yeah. Chris. just a strange thing Looked to do at, you know um and that's all obviously all you know secondhand information um but um the interesting thing i think um from warner's perspective uh well from 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 Warner's perspective, is um, yeah absolutely um, some inappropriate things you know were, were said and um, you know again if we think about a workplace um, you know no one should have to put up with derogatory comments about their family and all that kind of thing. Um, the, my other thought on that though is you know sticks and stones will break my bones but words will never hurt me. Um, and what those guys say only the only power those words have is what is what Warner gives them. Um, and you know the guys that make in the crowd that make those comments or made those comments about Warner's family, 
I guarantee you this morning they're not feeling bad about themselves. They're feeling pretty bloody vindicated, I reckon. Um, and I'm not saying what they did was, was appropriate, but they've attempted to bully Warner into doing something stupid and they succeeded. Yeah. Um, so 100%. I think that that's, you know, that would be, the, that's the area that perhaps he can develop, you know, a, a little bit. You know, clearly his choice uh, of action following that um, to involve himself in in trying to gain an unfair advantage was inappropriate. I think what was also inappropriate was, oh, you know, clearly coercing um, or convincing, you know, his junior opening partner um, who, um, whilst, you know, yeah, has a test average of, of 30, you know, 0.98 or something, um, over eight tests. It's not a bad start to a career, but he hadn't quite set the world on fire just yet um, and uh, was probably looking to do what he thought what he needed to do to stay in the team. Now, as it turns out, that was not the right thing to do. But if your vice captain and, and senior opening partner tells you this is what we're doing, then again it's a really difficult thing to stand up to that person to say, no, this is not right. And I think that... Absolutely. That, and I, I think Absolutely. that Bancroft acknowledged, um, acknowledged uh, that in his, in his presser, um, you know, that he... And, mate, like, David Warner is, one, is, you know, arguably the biggest name in the Australian team. You know, like, yeah. it's not like some, you know, three testers were, were conspiring with each other. I mean, you know, even someone of a, of a, of a lower standing was more recently in the team. I, I think that it would be, you know, if Matty Renshaw came up to Banners and they were both in the same side and, and tried to pitch this, I'm sure Banners would have told him to get stuffed. But Warney's seniority, um, his position not only in Australian cricket but in, in Australian, you know, life um, and, you know, his status would have made that conversation very, very, very difficult for, for Banders to go around otherwise. Could he have done something else? Absolutely. But I don't know that if I was in Bancroft's shoes that I would have been able to do anything else. And, and I, I think this is I think this is the really key point. Yeah. So last night I was chatting to uh, my mate Harry Harvey. Uh, Harry, if you're listening, I know he will be. He's a big friend of the pod. <laughs> um, he loves it. And he was saying that, you know, he feels like the reason why everyone's so upset about this story is that, you know, as Australians, we see ourselves as as in the Australian cricket team, as, that, as them representing us, you know, and that we would never do that, that that Australians feel that that we wouldn't try and cheat to get an advantage. It's it's not part of us. And, and seeing it in our cricket team is so surprising. Yeah. However, to have a senior person convince you to do something that you don't want to do or to be a person in a management position in a leadership role who's not 100% across what's happening underneath them is really actually very understandable because I think most yeah. people have been on both sides of that fence. You know, you, you've had people who are technically yeah. beneath you in, in in all sorts of organizations from, from you know, a vice captain to, you know, someone in a, in a junior position in a restaurant you work in who may just not do what you freaking tell them, not do what you ask them to do and you find it difficult to deal with that person. And, and conversely, 
I, I've definitely been in workplace situations or in team situations where I've had someone senior than me asking me to do things that I, I'm not necessarily comfortable with that I don't think is the right thing to do for the for the business or the, or the team. Yeah. So, well, I mean, negotiating you, those moments is difficult. You know? I think there's there's kind of two points here, and um, uh, one one's a really interesting one where I think uh, I, I hope I get this right. I, Korean pilots, like for commercial airlines, had a really bad record of um, airline crashes. Okay, I'm fascinated to know where you're right. going here. This is this is great. I'm I'm settled I'm settled in. Um, and um, I'll send you a link so I make sure I get this right. And if I get it wrong, just we'll just edit it out. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> miracle of the podcast. Um, <laughs> Uh, Korean airline pilots have a really terrible record. They didn't have a great record. And one of the things was it was a cultural thing um, where it was uh, really difficult for the co-pilot to say to the pilot, hey, mate, uh, it's, you know, it's raining. I don't think we should take off or we're running out. We're, lo- we're, we're you know, we're running low on fuel. Um, you know, we should probably land. Um you know, or, you know, don't fly through those mountains. Um, they, the way that they would frame those observations would be in such a way as to not offend the senior partner in that relationship. Sure. Um, and that obviously results in, you know, resulted in plane crashes and loss of life and all that kind of thing. And uh, Korean pilots actually, I think, have now have to undergo... Um, training uh to be able to speak directly to their 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 senior because the co-pilot when uh he's doing whatever the co-pilot does um i assume some sort of navigational duty you can tell my aviation skills here are really good um but he he has to be able to speak directly to uh the pilot uh, you know to avoid the to avoid the crash um and that's almost very similar to what's happened here is in that um because Again, we, we are assuming a lot here and we're inferring a lot because uh, uh, Bancroft wasn't able to uh, uh, speak directly to power. You've had a bit, you've had a plane crash. Um, yeah. You know, and, and almost in, in some ways, um, because Smith uh, wasn't able to um, directly address the dominant figure in that instant, um, you know, you've had a bit of a plane crash. So that's the first thing. The, the other thing I'd say too is if you're if you're managing a bottle shop, right, or a or a supermarket. Um, Again, I'm dead keen. I'm I'm settling myself in here. Continue. But if, if you're the manager of of, uh, of a retail store, yeah, let's stick with bottle shop. I like that metaphor. Bottle please. shop, sure. Um, uh, I did used to work at a bottle shop, so I'm not implying myself. I'm not implicating myself <laughs> in anything here. I didn't do anything, um, but. If you're the manager of that shop, it's well. I, I'll, I'll give you a better example. So when I used to work at the bottle shop, um, there was a radio. There was a radio right? right in in the shop, and the shop uh, had a mandated station that it had to listen to the whole time because that particular radio station was considered to be family friendly. Right. Um, I was uh, in my late teens at the time, um, early, t- very very early twenties. I didn't particularly care for the family-friendly radio station, and my colleagues of a similar demographic also didn't care for the family-friendly radio station. So we used to change the channel um, to you know whatever, 
and to to another radio station that was quite happy to, to pump play, the jams, Chris. Yeah, pump to the pump jams. those sweet quite, sweet jams. Quite happy to play, you know, swear words and stuff. Or that was in the day when you first be able to connect the iP the iPod with the auxiliary cord. Oh goodness! Oh, the aux cord that, came in. The aux Watch cord. out! So you know, I'd be playing Cypress Hill or like you know whatever. <laughs> Uh, nothing makes people buy bottles of scotch more than insane in the membrane I find yeah especially when that that bottle shop's in Cottesloe I mean Cypress Hill and Cottesloe go together like you know banging their mouth Um, um, yeah Dr. Green thumb Um, but the um, the thing is that there was no way my manager at the time could have done anything to stop that Sure. Really? Because he wasn't there. Because he trusted us um, to, you know, to adhere to the store's policies and procedures. Now, um, down the track, he did find out um, and we were reprimanded and we never did it again. So, but but I, I guess that's my point is that it is bloody hard to know everything that is going on all the time. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. And look, I think Steve Smith will definitely learn from this. I mean, they've been handed down some pretty serious sanctions. So, obviously, the three of them got banned from the next test um, by the ICC. They got fined a bit as well. And on top of that, Cricket Australia has done some pretty extensive bans. So, Steve Smith and David Warner both have a 12-month ban um, from playing domestic cricket in Australia at a shield level or from playing international cricket for the Australian cricket team in any mm. format. Um, added on top of that, uh, they Stephen Smith is not allowed to be considered for a leadership position for another 12 months following that. So basically, he's got a two-year ban from leadership positions and a one-year ban from cricket. Um, David Warner will never again be considered for a leadership position in the Australian team. Um, and Cameron Bancroft is going to be is banned for nine months. And uh, did have a county contract with Somerset, which has just been torn up. So he's not going to be playing in the off season. All of the players have been issued with 100 hours of community service to um, have service to cricket over that period of time, which I'm sure they will all embrace. And um, they, yeah, they have been encouraged to go back to club cricket as well. Yeah. I, I've actually, CTB, in the last 24 hours, seen a couple of petitions emerge saying that these um, sanctions are too harsh. So it's been an interesting fact. And, and you and I were talking about this off air um, about how when this event first went down on Sunday, people were calling for heads to roll. Yeah. Like heads to actually roll. I, I believe, Chris, actually at one point you were saying that the entire team should be sent home and that a new team of Shield stars should be sent out to well, play the last on. test. No, that's not what that's <laughs> not what I said. That is not what I said. <laughs> Fake news. At Fake all. News. <laughs> misquotes. No. Do uh, I'll, to to say that people were upset, Chris, is what I'm trying people to say. People were upset. I was very rational. What I suggested actually happened. Um, no, I said that the players involved should be sent home and should be replaced by Shield players, which they have been. Um, no, look, and I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> that's a great sneeze. Just a cheeky sneeze. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the. Um, there are two points here about the sanctions. So there's really two components to it. Um, you're right in that people are really outraged and all that kind of thing. And I can understand why, but I can also um, feel like there's some people that maybe need to look in the mirror. Um, 
The two components are first... pump the brakes a bit too, CP, oh, yeah. but like we were saying before, I mean, the way that, that the media have behaved and that some of the, the comment section across the internet regarding Stephen Smith oh. has just been bloody filthy. And and I think we can all really take the foot off the accelerator there. I think yeah, after his presser, we can all say that Steve yeah. Smith's gone through enough. Yeah. Um, so my mum called me today to say that she was really worried about Steve Smith's mental health and asked me if I knew that if he had good people around in a manner. And I really hope that he does. But that's how my mum's feeling about it. You know, people are... Hopefully that, that opinion is uh, But sorry, mate, you, you're starting to talk about, about the bans and, and look, the punishments that have been dished out. First of all, yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I agree with uh, with Sue's, um, your mum, um, that the public stoning needs to stop. Um, and I'm really confident that Cricket Australia will have um, uh, put uh, people in place and around Steve Smith and he will have been given... Um, contacts to help if he needs it and uh, and wants it so that that uh, i'm you know that that would just be silly if they didn't the the um in terms of the punishment there's really two elements here so there's the the um icc uh sanction um and then there's the cricket australia sanction now the icc sanction um if we look at the on-field perspective um the umpires uh thought something untoward was going on they looked at the ball um, they actually decided that insufficient damage had been made to the ball um, for it to be changed. So the ball actually um, hadn't been affected at all, um, but they saw that the Aussies were maybe doing something that wasn't quite right, and so they um, awarded five runs to the opposition. Now, in Australian rules football, the equivalent would be a free kick and a 50-metre penalty. Um, yeah. So that's what, happened on, that's what happened on the field. They, the ICC and the match referee um, then uh, uh, you know, conducted their own um, sort of investigation after the game and banned Cameron Bancroft from a match and subsequently banned um, uh, Steve Smith for a match and said, look, they, you know, they know they've done the wrong thing. Hopefully they can learn from it and move forward. So they've got a one-match ban, which is from Test Cricket, from the ICC, which is... Not much, right? That that's the kind of seriousness with which with which um, the ICC actually treated the issue of putting trying to put sandpaper on the ball and and goofing and it up. It's pretty consistent with treatments that they dished out to Shahi Dafridi for when he yeah. bit the ball like a freaking Tony Abbott biting an onion, or um, back in the day when Athers rubbed you know sand on the ball. That and faff with Lollygate um, from a year or two ago. I mean, in terms of how the ICC approached ball tampering, yeah. it was pretty consistent yeah, it's with pretty that. Consistent. So, so that's that's the actually actually what's actually been dished out in in sort of the the cricketing uh, uh, spectre. Now, the you you sort of alluded earlier um, to the fact that um, uh, Australia Australians. Uh, you know, the Australian cricketing public kind of demanded a lot harsher penalty, um, you know, and, and swift action and there must be blood and there must be something going on and why must we wait five days for an integrity unit to do their thing? Um, I was personally waiting for Daniel Day-Lewis to turn up in his hat um, to be ready for There Will Be Blood. Yeah, and, <laughs> and win an Academy Award. Um, <laughs> win an Academy Award. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis as Darren Lehman. Um, <laughs> oh, that would be the film of our time. Cast it, make it um, happen. He's retired, Daniel, but I, I think he'll come out of retirement for that. Well, so might Darren. 
Um, the <laughs> the um, the point about the punishment um, from Cricket Australia is that um, <clears throat> it's to do with the reputational damage that um, Australian cricket is being perceived to cheat um, has caused and may have caused um, and they may have potentially avoided some as well. So um, we've seen in the last couple of days that Magellan, the um, financial services company that sponsored uh, the Ashes recently, has torn up their naming rights sponsorship with the Australian cricket team. Um, which is a huge deal. Which mate. is a That's huge deal. So the, so the men's cricket team is now without a sponsor. Um, the Qantas has decided to stick with the men's cricket team, but said it was very, very disappointed. Um, so Asics have pulled out for Warner and Bancroft. Smith has lost a couple as well. I mean, yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know, and then, of we course... We won't be seeing any more of David Warner's fantastic ads for those OLED TVs, which were just so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not upset about those at all. Um, <laughs> the... Um, so, the financial penalties there. Yes, yeah, the, financial, the financial penalties are there. Now, when we look at it from a public relations perspective, sure. um, there are really three steps that you need to take. Uh, when you um, stuff something up or when there's a crisis. Um, sure. And the first is to um, admit what you've done is wrong. Um, right. And um, obviously, uh, Smith and Bancroft did that immediately after play, or, albeit, you know, slightly askew. Um, and um, they've, they've admitted what they did um, and they apologised. Um, and then... Um, Cricket Australia sent the integrity unit over to find out exactly what's going on. Um, and then more's come out, uh, which we wouldn't have learned if we had have just sacked everybody on the spot. Um, and uh, Smith and Bancroft have then admitted more and then apologised again. So from their perspective, um, and also Darren Lehman's come out and admitted that you know maybe the culture wasn't um, as good as it should have been on his watch and maybe he could have done something else. And maybe some, and, and something needs to change. So that those two first two steps they've done really well. The third step um, involved in kind of um, uh, uh, addressing stuff ups is compensation. So what are you going to do to fix the stuff up that you've made and that you've just admitted to? Um, and this is the really critical step, and this is where the punishment comes in. The reason why the punishments for for the Australian cricketers are so severe is because um, the Australian cricket captain um, and, by extension, Australian test players um, are seen to be public servants, right? Yeah. Even even though their wages are, um, you know, paid by cricket... Yeah, as test players, their wages are paid by Cricket Australia. Um, indirectly, their wages are paid by patrons who pay for tickets... Um, government who, funding that that goes the way to right. Australia or to the grounds they play that's at. That's right. Sure. So if you if you pay if you pay use your hard earned money to um, pay for tickets to go and watch professional athletes play, or pay money to watch uh, watch them on television, um, or through your taxes, um, they receive government funding through say the Australian Sports Commission, who was another organisation that came out and said everyone needs to be sacked and sent home. Um, then you as the spectator um, or the consumer of that sport feel a social contract um, between um, the uh, sport and yourself. And when, uh, now whether or not Smith 
Bancroft and Warner were aware of that social contract um, and it's possible that they probably didn't appreciate the gravity of it. When they did what they did, um, they broke that social contract, which is why, um, you know, everyone was so upset um, because uh, so many people kind of invest their identity in that social contract as well. Um, Absolutely, CTP. I mean, mate, as part of that, do you feel that the compensation laid out here, so Smith's year ban, Bancroft nine months, Warner for a year, do you feel that that is apt, fair? Do you think it's too harsh? Where are you sitting on it? Um, look, I, it, no, no doubt it's uh, tough. It's very tough. Um, you know... Um, but the thing that, and it's, it, it sets a really strong precedent for yeah. this sort of behavior in the future. Um, I think Harsha Bogle, the um, respected Indian commentator came out and said, I'm pretty confident that no other cricket nation would have dealt with their players or handed out this kind of penalty. And Harsha Bogle is a pretty sensible guy. Um, yeah. and so it what, is. what this does is, um, in an indirect way, I actually think it does test cricket a favour um, because it um, really, really highlights the need to, um, you know, uphold the, the spirit of the game. And um, Steve Smith and Bancroft, um, um, and Smith in particular, have pretty spotless records up until this point. So if a guy like Smith is going to get a one-year ban and have all his contracts torn up and lose a $2.4 million contract in India because they can't guarantee his safety, then what's going to happen to um, the 19-year-old uh, fast bowler who, you know, wants to bowl or no ball on the fourth ball of the fifth yeah. over, you know? it's I, So, um, it, it, no doubt it's a harsh penalty. Um, I, I think... Um, but I, I, think it's a, I think it's a good one. Look, I, I think it's fair. And, mate, look, I, I, prob- I think I agree. I mean, they what they did angered a lot of people and they need to serve time for that and i think that you know you referenced there vaguely to muhammad amir uh, and the spot fixing scandal and to his credit muhammad amir it took him basically a decade i mean he went to jail for five years for that um and then he came out of jail went back to state cricket in pakistan and would rose up through and is back playing for the test team and i don't think anyone's got any problems with him playing for the test team and, and, and on top of that, I think that once Smith serves this year ban, that we'll see him back. I think we will probably see Bancroft back this summer, potentially um, coming against India, uh, particularly depending on how Renshaw goes and injuries and all that sort of thing. But what we saw in those press conferences was from Bancroft, steel and determination that he knows that he stuffed it, but he's going to do everything yeah. in his power to get it back. And what we saw from Steve Smith was his incredible love and passion for the game yeah. and that he will do anything to get back. And I think we will see both those boys in Australian colours again. Whether Steve Smith is again the Australian captain, we don't know. Um, but he is such an incredible player that I, I, I'm starting to believe that he, he really will make a comeback there. Um, Chris, it, it does um, put Australian cricket into an incredible period of transition in this yeah. one move because of this one action. 
production. We've now lost the world's number one batsman, the world's number five batsman, and a batsman who was, you know, looking like he could be a, a real stalwart at the top of the order. Um, it has pushed us into being in a lot shakier position for the Test Series against India at the end of this year, for the World Cup coming up, and um, for the Ashes in England which you and I were hoping to go to CTB. It, it changes the entire face of Australian cricket. And, and I guess the next part of that transition is going to be the coach. Um, Darren, the Buff Lehman, after seeing the press conferences that Steve Smith and yeah. Cameron Bancroft made, has decided to hang up the boots. Um, after initially saying that he was going to be the man to take the team forward, he's come out and said that he, he can't do that. And again, folks, I mean, look, if you're listening to this podcast, please go to our Facebook. Go to our Facebook page, all at uh, facebook.com forward slash um, two for none, uh, all in word. And you can see all of this footage there. I'm going to post all of these links that we've referenced today there. And, and it's really worth watching Darren Lehman's press conference. It's it's really, really heartbreaking stuff. Um, again, you can really see how much the game means to him. And, and, and Chris, I, I think we both want to take a moment to thank the Buff um, for his incredible service. He's been an, a wonderful coach. It's it's worth pointing out that he came in to take this job when Australia was in a really bad mm. way. Uh, in 2013, we'd just been smashed by the Indians in India um, under Mickey Arthur. There was the Homework Gate saga, um, and we had to go straight into a, a UK Ashes campaign where we looked like we were going to get completely pumped. And he and he look, we lost that series three nil. But we played such better cricket than we played in India. Yeah. The team looked rejuvenated. And and under Lehman's tenure, we had the five nil ashes whitewash. We won a World Cup. We ascended to number one in the test rankings a couple of times. Um, he made some hard selection calls. He dealt with the, the passing of Philip Hughes um, and, and did that with distinction. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know has been a wonderful servant of the Australian cricket team. And look, he missed a trick with what happened with the ball tampering saga. But as we've mentioned, it's, it's difficult in management to have your fingers on all the pulses, um, especially when you're dealing with, with trusted folks um, at the top of your organisation. And I, I'm sad to see Darren go. Um, but I absolutely understand his decision to do so. Yeah, it's funny. Like, is that about where you're sitting with CTB? Um, it's funny. Like in what in a couple of his press conferences, Darren Lehman said, "We love all." Like I'm concerned about our players. We love all our players. Um, as a cricketing fan, I love Darren Lehman. Um, yeah, you know everything. Um, He's slow left arm back armors, when he was a player. Absolutely. The slow. way that he just pumped through those overs <laughs> at extraordinary speed. Um, yeah. Surprising ability in the field. Yeah. Um, oh, so, well, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, he didn't surprise many, but uh, he surprised some. Um, the, um, you know, and he hit, I think he hit the winning runs in the 99 World Cup too. So, like, um, He's had an incredible career, and and done a, as you say, I think done a great job. Uh, not only with the Australian team, but with the Queensland cricket team before that. Um, yeah. You know, um, I really hope. Um, you know, I think what he said in his press conference, where he's like, "Look, you know, the, the cricket team needs a, the Australian cricket team needs a fresh start." And he's like, "Look, conversations with my family, they've copped a lot of abuse over, over the last couple of days." And it's just not fair to, to them, and, and particularly when you spend three hundred 
300 out of 365 days away from home um it's it's time to to be more of a family man i mean you can just you can respect that that's yeah, absolutely fair enough and you know i mean how um how terrible to to feel that you can't continue in, in your job because of um the bloodlust of the australian sporting public you know it's a bit like the, the australian sporting public is a bit like the eye of sour on mate like <laughs> you know you just don't want it on you um, you don't want it on you. No. You do not. And anyway, but so I've, so Darren Lehman has summoned the giant eagle of retirement, yeah. uh, hopped on it, and is following the butterfly. I think and, the, uh, the 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 short of it is the, the positives of Darren Lehman far 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 outweigh the negatives um, that have been brought about by this incident, which he we have to assume had nothing to do with. So good on both. Good on you, Buff. And look, CTP, it's going to be interesting to see who comes in to step into Darren Lehman's big boots. Tell me who your candidates are for this uh, potential role well, as the cricket look, captain. Look, I think, you know, we spoke earlier uh, um, in the week and we, uh, about potential candidates being Justin Langer, um, David Saker and Jason Gillespie. Um, I think Ricky Ponting is another, another name you can throw around there. Um, look, ultimately, what I think you'll see is going to happen is I think Ponting is going to take a specialist role as the T20 coach um, yeah. and uh, it will most likely for me come down to uh, Justin Langer and, and, and Jason Gillespie um, I think um, probably uh, what stands against Saker um, even though he's you know obviously been a tremendous uh, servant of Australian domestic cricket as a player um, had some experience coaching England and being uh, coaching yeah I think coaching England didn't he um, and then yeah. um, he um, was obviously been an assistant for the Australian team. So very, very experienced coach. Um, I think what might work against him is that he's been involved in the current setup and they'll, they might, may be seeking a fresh start. Um, mm. You know, I think JL would, would be an amazing Australian coach um, and has performed the role in the past. And I think if he got the job, we'd all be thrilled. Um, yeah. Uh, but he he does look like the heir apparent mate but Jason Gillespie could also do a fantastic yeah. job there obviously the wonderful job with Yorkshire had an incredible coaching experience out in Zimbabwe did not take things the easy way when he yeah. really could have um, I think we all expect that, that. that's um, right so, respect that and I, and I think JL does such a great job with WA and, and loves that job so much and does such a good job with the Scorchers that he may be hesitant to leave that post um, maybe yeah, particularly now with someone like uh, you know, we're Bancroft, who probably needs a, an arm around him, and um, yeah. you know that's the kind of guy JL is. You know, he's just a he's a real people person and, and, and cares about people and you know and the individual level. So it'll be one of those two. Um, at this stage, I'd probably be leaning towards uh, Gillespie, but we'll wait and see. Let's turn our attention to this test that we've got to play tonight, Chris, and it seems mental to me that we are playing test cricket tonight after all of this but somehow we are um i think we're pretty set on what the opener is going to be that that it's going to be a pretty straight swap there for renshaw and burns mm-hmm. who will come straight in in that position oh, she, uh, what i'm unsure by the way sheffield shield winners good points here to be um sheffield shield winning opening partnership renshaw actually hit the winning winning runs i believe so they're they're on a bit of a high those boys i think they'll add a nice bit of energy um in and get things get things moving what i don't know is if you play glenn maxwell you play pd hanscom 
Um, Maxwell, of course, had an incredible shield season and was really bashing down the door there, scored a big double, big fat body dirty one there. Yeah. So it, it could be a way to go. Um, but I wonder if they'll go for Petey because he's been carrying the drinks all this time and he and he may deserve a shot there and is, is potentially a bit more of a level head. I don't know. I mean, and, and Tim Payne, of course, taking the role of captaincy, the first wicketkeeper since Adam Gilchrist. And I'll post Gilchrist's article too because he had some yeah. really just heartwarming things to say, Gilly, about how to run the team and, and yeah. how to run the, Look, your life. I, I think there's a couple, a couple of points here. Um, so um, in terms of, uh, you know, whether you got... Well, first of all, I'll just see if the opening partners. The the interesting thing I think about Renshaw and Burns coming in is obviously they're a successful pair for Queensland. They've had a great Shield season. Uh, Renshaw, particularly after a difficult start before the Christmas break, um, really had a great back half of the season. But what it creates by having Renshaw and Burns is that you have Renshaw, Burns, and Kawaja. Yeah, you have an all Queensland top three. Um, Good point. Which may help Uzi. Um, ah. you, you know, which may help Uzi, and um, uh, that so that's an exciting prospect. The um, the question about uh, Hanscom and Maxwell um, is a really interesting one. Look, I think Hanscom's the guy that they took on tour, um, and clearly their preferred option as a replacement in the middle order. Um, he probably hasn't had a lot of match practice recently. So I guess it will yeah. come down to a couple of factors. Um, first of all, how well do they think um, uh, Petey Haskins seen him in the nets? Um, but also, um, uh, what's, if, what's his frame of mind like after all of this sort of thing? Um, but also, uh, what's the wicket going to do? If there's a chance of a little bit of turn, then they may well play Maxwell because his offies could come in handy. Um, True. And also, he provides a lot of energy in the field. Um, so we'll see how we go. I, look, I'm leaning towards more playing Hanscom because I, I um I see him as more of a, 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 a traditional kind of middle order player who's going to be able to hold things together. And he's actually proven that he can bat well in difficult circumstances uh, before, yeah. I think, as we saw with a day night test against South Africa, ironically, a few years ago. So for me, that's the win. Um, the other I, the other amazing story, I think, just quickly, is Tim Payne. Uh, yeah, I don't think and the Stephen Bradbury of Australian dude, cricket, Tim Payne. Like, um, what spectacular! How is this guy Australian captain? Um, <laughs> so, so first it's of all, Buck Wild. Like a couple of amazing things. Like Tim Payne, uh, like a decade ago, was mooted not only as the next Australian wicketkeeper but as a future Australian captain. Well, here we are. The uh, we've, sure we've taken a few. <laughs> what a time to be we've alive! Taken a few twists and turns, but we got there. The, but the amazing thing for me, and this is, and I guess this is why um, I re- utterly refuse to give up on Smith, Bancroft, and also Warner, um, is that at the start of the summer, Tim Payne couldn't get a game for Tasmania. Yeah, he was dropped. I actually disparaged him on this very podcast, Chris. I was against his selection, yeah. and uh, can I say that I've been proved categorically incorrect? Yeah. You know who wasn't <laughs> against his selection? This guy. Um, That's true, Sid Vivi. You are on the right side of history. But, so the thing is, like, he couldn't get a game for Tasmania. Um, he played a couple of tour matches um, against uh, England because they needed a, an experienced head to lead an inexperienced CA eleven. 
um, that were a bit of a, a, a motley crew. Um, he made some... In 50- which he made a 71 against the English attack, by the way. That's and right. they, they put up a pretty strong fight. Made some good 50s. Um, yep. But, but just absolutely frog-jumped uh, Wade Carey at all, um, you know, into the uh, wicket-keeping position. Made some runs. Um, contributed well in his position as a keeper. Um, I think... Oh, let's not forget that last week he... Um, uh, after the whole ball tampering debacle and what was lost was he actually uh, made a stumping off Nathan Lyon for Nathan Lyon's 300th test wicket. Uh, um, and, you know, this week he, he finds himself as the 46th test captain. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody no. saw that coming. Zero people. And that's just why I think, you know what, you never know what's going to happen. Um, and I think it's, it's a great example, although he won't be feeling it at the moment, and, and it's going to take some time. I think it's a great example as to why we cannot count out the quality of Smith um, at Bancroft and, and Warner, or, um, although I think Warner probably has a steep amount of decline for different reasons. Um, you just don't know in sport, and, and that's the beauty of it. Um, and, and we'll see what happens. Um, you know, and look like, mate, as you say, credit to Tim Payne. I'm really interested to see how he marshals his troops, which bowlers he uses, how he uses them, decisions that he yeah. makes, the whole shebang. It's going to be a really different lineup. We have no idea what he's really like as a captain, so it's it's going to be it's going to be wild to see. Um, and and wicket keeping and captaining and batting is is a lot of responsibility. Um, I think he'll be able to handle it, but it is it's a lot to do. So he's having to step up. You know, from a guy who you know was new in the side to running the side, and that's that's a lot of change to make. But he's a level-headed man. Um, he's a Tasmanian, and they are just solid, reliable humans. Uh, to grossly generalise, so I, I, I'm pleased to see how he goes about it. In terms of the test itself, CTB, and I'm sorry to be a Debbie Downer here, but I really can't see us walking away with a W here. If we walk away from the, with a W in this test, with a big fat win, it will be one of the greatest test victories in in history. Monumental. Full stop. Yeah. It'll be insane. Uh, I think if you're a betting man, though, you've got to bet on the South Africans. While all this drama has been going on for us, South Africa have been going to training. They have been enjoying the reduced media pack around them they've been able to go about their business they're coming off a win um they play well at this ground generally speaking Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a mammoth task for australia a new opening combination a new rejig middle order um whoever comes into that you know if Tim Payne can get those boys to get their heads in the game and everybody pulls out all the stops and has some amazing individual performances that, that really unite the team, we, we may stand a chance. But CTB, I'm just thinking that, you know, it's going to be AD B. De Villiers with the bat. It's going to be Dean Elgar with the bat. Maybe even we'll see a bit from Faf um, and, you know, Kigiso with the ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I can't see us walking away with the win, mate. I'm sorry. Look, fair enough. Um, but earlier in the summer, uh, you may recall that I said that there was no way that the Hobart Hurricanes would beat the Perth Scorchers <laughs> in Perth. No way that that rabble, the Hurricanes, would, I remember would that. beat the Scorchers. I do remember that as a matter of fact. I, can't, I actually can't remember if Tim Payne played in that match. Um, I believe he did. Yeah, okay. Well, for fun, we'll just say he did. Um, no way that was going to happen. Um, and... 
was particularly with the returning stars that the squad just had. Um, and they flogged us. So yep. I'm not prepared to say anything. Um, I'm <laughs> just going to say that I, I um, love the continual mysteries that cricket throws up. It's a weird bloody sport, mate. But it's a lot of it's fun. It's a weird and, bloody sport, Chris. Um, you know, yeah, we did we did the wrong thing. We stuffed up, but you know, you either support you support the team or you get out of the stadium. So go the Aussies, and uh, let's see what happens. You're a you're an incredible man, Christopher Thomas Barty. I don't know if anybody's told you that today, but uh, I believe that yeah, to be hundred percent true. Mate, but um, thanks. <laughs> Look, let's cut to our South African correspondent. Let's let's hear what's going on on the other side of the ditch. Uh, this is Chris, the good man, Goodrick, with a yarn from Yapi. Sunny Bonani, Kunjani, good day, Australia. So, what a week it's been. Uh, obviously, very sad uh, with the news coming out there. Um, my sort of two cents worth, you know, I just caught the the um, press conference press conference in Australia where I saw um, you know Steve Smith uh, trying to explain everything, and that yeah, it was obviously immensely sad. Um, but you know, you know, obviously down down the track in cricket, you know, there there have been sort of these these moments, and um, you know, you know, there are other countries that have had in- incidents. So it was just um, it was quite sad to see, you know, uh, the human side of it. You know, obviously everyone makes mistakes, um, and obviously there was a lot of shock at first, but you can sort of you know feel quite sorry for for, for Steve Smith uh, in some sense. Uh, but yeah, back uh, obviously to the last test. Just my, uh, just a really quick one, Paddy. Um, you know, obviously it's uh, the 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 protests really have their tails up at the moment, um, and obviously with everything that's gone on, I think um, the protests will win win the final one. I think also there's a little bit more in, impetus with um, uh, you know Mourne have Mourne Morkel having his last game, so I think the boys will come out firing. And uh, Johannesburg's always been uh, a fantastic ground for us as well. So um, it should be really interesting. Um, and yep, go on the approaches. All right, Patty. Have a good one, mate. See you later, mate. Thank you, Chris, uh, for an incredible yarn from Yarpy again. I uh, I got to say that, Mr. Barty, I am feeling just like an emotional wreck and uh, the test hasn't even started yet. So, gosh, I hope the boys can pull one out. How amazing would it be if they pulled one out here, Chris? Pulled one out of the old back pocket and and walked away. You know what? Even if we walk away from this test with a draw, I'd be very impressed. Or we fight well for a loss. Uh, any of that is well, good for me. I, I just hope we just don't get pumped. They, they can pull one, pull it out. They can pull it off. They can pull it on. Uh, just start pulling, boys. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's inappropriate. That's not a way to finish. Um, <laughs> Just leave extra things from your kit bag in the change room. So I'll still a You know what? You know, you know what the real enemy is. I know we're about to sign off, but I just want to make a point. You know who the real enemy is here? Who? Chris? Pockets. Ah, oh. pockets are the problem. Yep. Yeah. No pockets. Absolutely. You got nowhere to put it. Do you? That's there's it. No, Shut it down. There's no, there's no dirt in the pocket for Athos. There's no nah. sandpaper in the pocket for Banners. To be fair, Banners did try and hide it in his crotch. <laughs> so I'm sure they find a way. Ban crotches, Chris. That's my next step. <laughs> get them out. Yeah, yeah. Underwear. Not allowed yeah, on cricket fields. No underwear, no pockets. What are you going to do crotches, now, fellas? I've gotten men in trouble a lot over the years. Um, oh. And 
I, I personally think that we need to be taking a leaf out of beach volleyball. Oh, hello. Do you know why? Because beach volleyball, they've never had an issue with sand, mate. They love <laughs> <laughs> They've embraced it. They've embraced the sand. They've never had an issue with people taking stuff out of their pockets. Haven't got them. No pockets. No pockets. Look, I, I don't know if you remember, Chris, and I'm sure you do, but there was a, a gentleman who played for Barbados in the World Cup uh, when it was in the West Indies, I think it was 2012, uh, who took an absolute blinder uh, at first. Dwayne Leverock. He was a big boy. Dwayne Leverock. Uh, Google him, folks. If you can imagine the days when Dwayne Leverock would be in a, uh, a pair of um, beach volleyball-style hot pants. <laughs> Yeah, you know he was a cop. Well, that'd be a he glorious a, thing. He was a policeman, Dwayne Leverock. He was a policeman. Mm. Yeah, and look, I was watching that that footage today, and he took an absolute screamer at first slip. He bloody batted well, and he took wickets with the ball. That man is a genuine yeah, all rounder. Yeah. Uh, um, and the fact that he's not playing for the Windies now is a bloody disgrace. Yeah, well, I think it was. I think it was Bermuda. I could be wrong. But um, oh, you might be right. I might have been Bermuda, not Barbados. Anyway, we'll work out. Our, our apologies to our West Indies fans. All we're saying is Dwayne Leverock is a man, is the man. We'll just and he should be in the team. Get him in. We'll sort out our but we'll we'll separate our Bermudas from our Barbadoses. The cricket Aussies will play cricket, <laughs> and then we'll be back in about a week's time to sum it all up. Does that sound good to you? That sounds great to me, Chris. Right. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, we will be back after the next test and look. To, it's a, outside of it all, folks. Go those bloody Aussies. Let's see if we can't do something. Chris Barty, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Yeah.